The Brandon Tatum Show is on KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Welcome to the Brandon Tatum Show every Saturday at 6 p.m. You know what it is. Make sure y'all follow me on my social media platforms at The Officer Tatum. One of the biggest reasons why I want you to follow me on social media, because some of the things that I speak about on this show, some of the evidence that I can't show you visually, you can go on my social media and look it up. Now, let's get into the coronavirus. Now, I know we've been talking about it, but this is relevant. I got to talk about it every time I come on the radio because I only get uh, a one weekend, one hour to discuss these things that I've been having built up in my psyche the whole week. So a few things that I think is notable at this point where we stand in the state of Arizona, we're right around 100 fatalities from COVID-19. We're over 3000 cases. And in Maricopa County, for those of you live in the valley, um, and I'm sure everybody that's listening live in the valley. But if you live in the valley, then we're right around 50, 50,000 cases. I mean, uh, 50 cases, not 50,000, 50 cases. So what does that mean? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? Clearly, if we believe the numbers and the statistics that are being uh, delivered to us, that means that we are seeing I don't know if this is a residual effect for what our governor has been doing. Is it because everybody's social distancing and we're, we're participating in the process that we're seeing a much lower number than many states in, in the United States of America? We haven't seen the level of outbreak that we've seen in places like Louisiana, uh, places like New York State, different places that we've seen a tremendous outbreak. One reason is, is because obviously we are more spread out. We don't have a lot of uh congested uh, inner cities and different things like that. But I do think it's an, a testament to us doing our part and doing what we should we, we should be doing on that on that level. So. These are the numbers in Arizona nationwide. The numbers have changed. Um, our the people in power have completely changed their tune for whatever reason. I have my opinions about it. You know, I think that they have been giving us BS numbers from the very beginning. I think that they are acting on resources and information that's unreliable, i.e. China, i.e. other governments who have a vested interest in doing whatever they feel is beneficial to their country. Us using those numbers, building models from scientists and people who do not have a track record of success, in my personal opinion, in these in these uh, areas and arenas, giving us false charts. They said a million people was going to die in this country. And then a million went to hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands have now gone down to about 50,000. And I could tell you this it's not just social distancing, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just social distancing. Um, it's not just washing your hands. It's because the charts are wrong. Social distancing. Let's let's think about this for a minute. And I know most of y'all in the Valley, at some point you have to go to a grocery store. You know for a fact that they're not social distancing at many grocery stores. When you stand in line, when you're walking next to each other down the, the beer aisle, you're, you're, you're not social distancing. People are grabbing merchandise, touching merchandise, touching their face, touching the counter. All of these different things that are occurring in these uh, grocery stores and other places that are still open that will inevitably get people infected, even in our restrictive environments that we have right now. Think about this. When you go out to eat, although you can't go sit in the in the restaurant, you have the to go thing set up. And what are the people doing? These individuals whom you hope aren't sick, 
whom you hope are asymptomatic are touching your food and you're touching your food and consuming it. We get our groceries delivered. The guy, I hope to God he's not sick because if he's sick, he got germs and stuff all over our groceries. And are we spraying Lysol on all of our groceries? No, we're not. So these things can continue to spread. And you can just imagine in other states how hard it is for people to do social distancing and people to be quarantined. People living in an apartment complex, there are essential workers that are out uh, and about moving around. That that level of restriction is not going to mitigate from millions to maybe 50,000. That is pure numbers in my personal opinion. Now, here locally, and I want to brag on Doug Ducey for a minute because I feel like, and this is, this is, I have to give my opinion on this. I feel like that we've blown this out of proportion in general as a country. I have a lot to say about that, but I think we've blown it out of proportion. But within proportionality based on what governors are expected to do with the information given to them, Doug Ducey has done a tremendous job. He shut down things. He didn't go too far. He's willing to, to, to be relaxed on different things. And I think he's followed the direction of the White House on where we want to move forward from here, given the fact that we don't have a thousand people that have lost their lives from uh, COVID-19. Also, here in the state, Walgreens is thinking about having or at least they're coordinating with the federal government to have testing centers. So some of you who find the desire to go out and be tested, and I'm not sure if the qualifications are you have to have a certain signs and symptoms or you can just get tested in general. Um, I'm, I'm leaning more towards thinking that the, the, the application of it is that you can just be tested even if you don't have any signs or symptoms. Um, that rollout for some of you will be beneficial and they haven't rolled out yet. They haven't given the locations as of now, but I'm sure it's coming soon. So those of you who have an angst about it, um, it can really uh, benefit you by having that knowledge. But let me say this. I, I want to add this this one part uh, to this conversation about the COVID update in, in COVID-19. There have been unequivocal research and studies that have shown unequivocal application by doctors that have shown that the numbers that we have been getting are not very accurate. And let me tell you why real quick. One main reason is because they are adding COVID-19 to people who are not dying from COVID-19. And let me tell you how they're doing this. It's called preemptive. They're doing preemptive diagnoses that mean and this is from the cdc and you can look on my social media to get the evidence of this but that means that if you have symptoms a doctor can diagnose you with covid 19. if you pass away according to the documents and you have covid 19 you're asymptomatic without with, with without any signs and symptoms that lead them to believe or not not say lead them to believe but any unequivocal evidence that shows that you died from covid they can still add that to your death certificate as a COVID death. So asymptomatic people with no symptoms, you know, no residual effect will still be considered a COVID death if they die from a heart attack, pneumonia, etc. Those that's troubling to me. And it should be troubling to all of you guys. If you are the individual or the person who's looking into this and wanting to observe facts. So anyway, we're going to talk about some local issues. We've got young kids drowning unattended. Uh, domestic violence is going up in the state. 
at least in the state, in the city of Phoenix. We'll talk about that on the Brandon Tatum Show. You're listening to KTAR. I'll see you after the break. Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Welcome back to the Brandon Tatum Show every Saturday at 6 p.m. Hey, y'all, make sure you follow me on my social media platforms at The Officer Tatum, The Officer Tatum, and visit my store at TheOfficerTatumStore.com. Let's talk a little bit about some local issues that's going on. But before we get to that, before we get to that, let me let me let me go back because I, I feel like I didn't get to finish my point in the last segment about the testing and how ambiguous some of the COVID-19 testing has been. I'll touch on it real quick and then we'll get into some local stuff. But Dr. Burks came on national television and articulated very clearly that our testing isn't as consistent as people may think. I believe the way we should test is that if it is proven beyond a reasonable doubt, if it is proven that you have died because of COVID-19, then they should add that as a person that has died from a COVID or what they call it, the COVID death. Um, And also you have to be proven by way of test for you to become a case or a confirmed case of COVID-19. Right now, as we do, as, as as our structure is set, we don't do that. Doctors right now can presumptively diagnose somebody with COVID-19 without any tests. If a person passes away, they can presumptively, I can say presumptively, in post-mortem, presume that they had COVID-19 if circumstances suggested, not necessarily a test. And if you were asymptomatic, meaning you had no symptoms of COVID-19, which it probably had no effect on your body, and you passed away from any ailment, you could fall. You could get. You can get killed in a car accident. If you had COVID nineteen when you got killed in a car accident, they could add that as a COVID death. We've seen it where they tried to add it to a, a toddler who was suffocated. Candace Owens brought this out on her Twitter. A toddler was suffocated on accident by by a healthcare professional, not healthcare professional, but a, a childcare nanny, and they diagnosed that they they determined that that was a COVID death because the kid tested positive in post mortem for COVID nineteen. And when you think about how many of these cases are going on, you think about the corruption in many aspects where people want to fluff the numbers to get more government assistance and bailouts. It becomes really problematic. So let's get to some local stuff. I had I had to throw that out there. Get that out of my system. Let's get to a few local stories. Uh, Really, really sad story out of Glendale. A young child drowned in in a pool in in the backyard of their of their house. The reason that I'm saying this story, and, and it doesn't have to be too much of, I don't want to give too much of, of details because some of some of which is irrelevant. One thing I will say is that it doesn't appear that there was foul play. And also it appears that there was a miscommunication with parents. One thought that they were watching the other one. And it seems like the father was outside working and the kid, when he went to look for him, the, the baby was in the pool. I, I, I This is one thing I don't, I want to encourage people with. At this point, you can never be too cautious 
about the protection of your children. It, I'm telling you guys, they they have, and at this particular house, they had no barrier around their pool. There was no there was no gate or anything to secure children from going into the pool unobstructed. I, I encourage you guys, if you have a pool, invest your money, especially if you have small children, invest your money into building something that can protect you and them from them falling into the pool on accident. And we have seen this in the state of Arizona and world and not worldwide, but nationwide of every year. And, and, and especially in the summertime in, in Phoenix, Arizona, every year during the summer where kids are swimming, they drown consistently. It, it, the numbers will, will blow your mind. I'm going to have to look up the specific numbers. I don't want to get them wrong. But if you look up the numbers of how many kids have drowned in in their own pool because of lack of supervision from parents on accident or even some parents are completely negligent. It will shock you. Do not fall into the assumption that it won't happen to me. It won't happen to me. We're, oh, we'll watch him. We'll watch him. I'll tell you what I do with my son. If he's he's he can swim, he can stand up in a pool. I keep my eye on him the entire time. If at any point I cannot see him, he has to come out the pool at any point. And I know it's tedious and I know you, you may feel like you're being a stickler. But at the end of the day, you don't want to fall in the category of I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have paid more attention. Another interesting story that that I observed throughout the week was that domestic violence is raising or has risen at least the cause for domestic violence has risen in the Phoenix Valley, according to the Phoenix Police Department um, during the COVID lockdown. Now, some people may think that's funny and entertaining, but it is a telltale sign to the psychological dysfunction that occurs when people cannot be social. And I think that domestic violence isn't just the fact that you stuck in a house with somebody or that they just called the police or whatever, but it's because of the, the psychological effect amplifies emotional distress so when you're sitting in the house you feel isolated almost as if you're on house arrest you're lost your job you're unsure of the economy whatever negative ill will personality you have will be exacerbated and it comes out in the form of domestic violence as we can see that's not even including some of the other cases that have gone on uh one of our officers in phoenix have died during going to a domestic violence call um, and I, I think that people have to understand the true impact. The reason that I support what Doug Ducey is doing to a certain degree with this is that he's not demanding that people cannot go out. He's not demanding that people can't go out to get exercise and get out of the house. A complete curfew lockdown to me would be unacceptable. This is what's happening. And this is kind of similar to what the president has talked to, spoke about. And they criticized him for it when he said, that the cur the cure can't be worse than the problem or the virus, meaning that the residual effect of shutting down the government and people being isolated and trapped in their own homes can have more of a residual effect than a virus that comes and goes and people can generally get herd immunity and all of the above. So I think that that's, you know, that's a consistent example of of kind of what I'm referring to. I'm going to finish this segment talk, speaking about the, the, the family that 
I guess they took chloroquine phosphate in a fish tank cleaner and, and the husband passed away and the wife didn't. Now, here's some stuff that people won't tell you and, and, and God rest the husband's soul. The media tried to paint her as a Trump supporter and she was listening to the Trump. According to evidence and records, she donated to Democrats. She was a Democrat. She hated Trump. They found her name and she tweeted about how she had disdain for Trump. So the media portraying her as a Trump supporter was a lie. She had been arrested in the past for domestic violence against her husband. They, they had problems already going on. And the media is shifting that attention, not reporting on that to make it seem like it's a Trump fiasco. Another fact that I think people aren't considering is that phosphate or chloroquine phosphate was only one of many toxic, dangerous ingredients that was found in fish tank cleaner. So to make the suggestion that, oh, I took this because the president said that they're deceiving people. And I would I'm going to go out on a limb and say that based on the information that I've seen, Stephen Crowder did a really good uh, segment on this where he did all the research and showed evidence of criminal record and, and, and all of the things that were associated with this lady and her husband. I think there needs to be an investigation into this. I think that there needs to be an investigation into how do you take fish tank cleaner, which you know must have a pungent smell or taste. You put it in a soda and you give it to your husband. To me personally, with a family with a history of domestic violence, obviously she she have wrote on her Facebook page, and this is all visible um, evidence that I've seen on Stephen Crowder. He showed it, clear as the noonday sun, with her wanting to divorce him. I think that it's invaluable for, for, the, for the police department to investigate this. It's not normal for somebody to take a fish tank cleaner and try to say that it's something that the president said, which is not true. Anyway, I thought I'd throw that out there. Those are one of the, that's one of the things that have been on my heart this whole time. I try to be sensitive to people and them losing their lives and stuff like that because it's no, no life is worth exploiting. But I think that the valley, we need to think through this stuff. We, we need to go beyond the veil of just listening to what the mainstream media tells us, just listening to what Joe Schmo says, just because they have a position of power or authority. And I'm not saying be a conspiracy theorist, but we need to find it in ourselves to question everything and have it validated through facts, not opinions and emotions. Make sure you stay tuned. You're listening to The Brandon Tatum Show. I'll be back. Hold the phone. Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. This is The Brandon Tatum Show. The Brandon Tatum Show on KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Welcome back to the Brandon Tatum Show. Every Saturday at 6 p.m., I'll be live, uh, rolling, talking about nationwide issues, talking about local issues. Make sure y'all follow me on my social media at the Officer Tatum, the Officer Tatum. Maybe if I speak correct English, it should it should be the Officer Tatum. Somebody criticized me on that. So, those of you who know me, you know I speak Ebonics. It's my first language, and then English is my second language. But anyway, let's talk about something that uh is just eating me away and i and i and i got hopefully i can fit it into this segment it 
eats me away at the attitude and perspective of a lot of African-American people in this country, not all, but a whole bunch of them, is this victim mentality. Washington Post did an article, and I'm not mad at the article, right? It says two, pretty much two black men was followed and harassed by a police officer walking through a store with mask on. I mean, they had the corona mask on. They didn't have ski masks. They didn't have bandanas. They had masks on. Now, being a former police officer, I can identify right away when looking at the video that that's not why they got kicked out. It was more to the story, clearly. But the commentary, the comments, the perpetuation that black folks live in this world of oppression from every white person you come in contact with it is it, is blowing my mind one of the gentlemen because the the article digitally it has a video in the article where a guy's talking about black people have it so much worse during the coronavirus than white people do because black people can't even wear bandanas on their face without getting judged and treated like criminals and and it's just sickening that you hear people talk about that because that's not an example of truth. It's an exaggerated opinion and fallacy in my personal experience. As a black man who lived in Texas, who been around the whole country, I think I've been to 20, 26, 27 states, um, speaking to thousands of people. I live in an all-white community. I have not one time had a problem with any white person anywhere I have ever lived. But the theory in the perpetuation of victimhood by blacks and elite people who know that they can hold down black people by perpetuating this. It is, it has gotten, it's gone too far. And I know a lot of y'all listening to me, some may agree, some may disagree, but it's gone too far, man. Every white person isn't laying and waiting to discriminate against black people. There is a huge difference, and I think people should be aware of this. Great book by Thomas Sowell. There's a difference between disparity and discrimination. Just because there's disparities doesn't mean necessarily that there's discrimination. Just because, and, and people have brought this up, the coronavirus is affecting the minority community. As if the coronavirus is a racist. No, if just because... Your community is affected doesn't mean it's discrimination or racism. What it could mean is that what does the health look like in your community? Because just because you're poor don't mean you have to eat poorly. Just because you're poor don't mean you're dumb. Those two don't go together unless you wanted to. And so if you're going around and eat McDonald's every day. And therefore, your immune system is terrible. You now are suffering from obesity. You're diabetic. You're eating food with no nutritional value. It's not like you can't pick up a book and pick up that Obama phone that you have and do some research. It's that you are choosing to do that. We grew up and we weren't always wealthy, but my mama knew what nutrition was. My mama knew that it was important to eat fruits and vegetables. And so we grew up to become excellent athletes. And obviously they have benefited me and my brother in our lives. But you need to take responsibility for your own decision making. And if the coronavirus is affecting people who are obese, people who have underlying issues that they can control, 
then you need to focus on what you're doing and not focus on that this is conspiracy from the government to defraud African-American people. I grew up my whole life in a black community, primarily in a black community, in and around what we would call the hood my whole life. And I'm telling, I, I cannot say this enough. The biggest issue facing black America today is other black people. That's the biggest issue. I had never once growing up was afraid of the police. Now, people will say negative things about the police, but I wasn't afraid of the police. The police is one police officer every thousand people. There's so much crime going on in the hood that if you ain't doing nothing, it's a good chance that the police will not, you would not even communicate with them. But the people that I was afraid of was the Crips and Bloods and gangbangers, drug dealers, because they had no mercy. They had no rules, no restrictions. And if they did not like the way you dressed, if you were set tripping and representing the wrong hood, they will kill you and nobody will talk about it. Nobody will what we call snitch. And that is was my biggest fear growing up when I would attempt to be excellent academically. And I'm not saying this is every black school around the country, but this happens in majority of the places that you see this. My dad would tell me stories about this same thing happening to him when I would try to excel. And at one point in my life, I was a proponent of trashing people over the same thing. People would call me, oh, you're trying to be white. Oh, you, you think you're better than us. That, 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 that has nothing to do with white people and everything to do with what black people are doing to themselves. Why do we vote one way and no other race does? We vote 80, 90, 95% one party. Unfortunately, it's the Democratic Party. And the reason I say unfortunately, because the history of the Democratic Party, KKK, slavery, all of the above, seems to be juxtaposed to or are in complete conflict with the black agenda and movement. But I'll leave that for another uh, radio show. But we vote one way. And we've been fighting for, I guess you would say, civil liberties, or we've been the perception of us having a fair treatment in America since the 50s. We've got nowhere, but we, we elect the same politicians year in and year out, year in and year out. Whose fault is that? Whose fault is that? The number one killer of African-American men in America are other black men. Now, you can say whatever you want about that. Oh, black people live in proximity. That that may be true, but it's not the white man. The most unsafe communities for black people to live in is other black communities. It's not white communities. It's black communities. Chicago, South side of Chicago, all these other places. Are unsafe, dangerous. So we need to stop pointing the finger. Oh, the police is the problem. Oh, they profiling us. You wouldn't have to worry about being profiled from wearing a bandana on your face if other black men weren't wearing bandanas and robbing people on a consistent basis. That's not a white person's problem. That's that's a problem that we need to face amongst each other. We need to change the reputation of and how we present. And until we do that, we will become our worst enemy. And I'm going to say this because I got about two minutes. I really want people in general, not just black, not just white people 
to understand the power of individuality. You are your own worst enemy in general. You can be no greater than what you think you can be. If you if you feel like everybody's against you, you're going to find a reason to blame everybody and see the worst in every situation that happens to you. Guarantee you money back. If you believe that every white man is racist and the system is racist, everything that happens in the system, whether it's racist or not, you're going to see it as racism. Guarantee you your money back. You know how I know? It's because I went through the same thing. I grew up feeling the same way. I grew up thinking that cops were racist. I grew up thinking that white people hated black people. And then as I grew up and got older and became a man, I realized that that was perception and projection. And when you sit back and think about it and be an individual and say in the United States of America, I can be whatever I want to be if I pursue excellence. I can decide what I do in the 24 hours that God has given me just like he's given everybody else. And whether I decide to sit on my rear end and complain versus getting out there and making it happen is the difference between me being poor, in many cases, me being poor versus me having a life that I want to live. Take that to the bank. That don't cost you nothing. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Brandon Tatum Show on KTAR. Hold the phone. Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Welcome back to the Brandon Tatum Show every Saturday at 6 p.m. Make sure you follow me on all of my social media platforms. I almost said like and subscribe. That's what you do with, with my uh, YouTube channel. But make sure you follow me on all my social media platforms at the Officer Tatum, the Officer Tatum. And make sure you download the KTAR app. That's a great way to listen to this. Um, if you want to repeat the, uh, the segment that I speak about, you can go and do that on the app through the podcast link. Let's talk about some more stuff that I think most people ain't going to want to touch on. But B. Tatum will touch on it, and that's why y'all listening to me. So, vaccinations for COVID-19. All right. Some people believe, yes, I'm going to take the vaccinations. People like myself, I'm very skeptical of any vaccination, let alone a vaccination that's associated with people who are looking to make a fortune. And when I say people who are looking to make a fortune, I'm talking about Bill Gates. Bill Gates, if you look, if you follow the money, ladies and gentlemen, it will it will reveal a lot to you. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have their hand in every aspect of this COVID-19. Agenda 21, they did a preliminary scenario. Just I think it was in 2019 where they did a scenario of a pandemic just like what we see today. Funded by who? Bill Gates. Documentary on Netflix called Pandemic is promoting an outbreak or a viral pandemic like we see today on Netflix before this ever happened. This The documentary was recorded, I'm sure, years ago. They launched it at the beginning of this year before any of the outrage happened. What is it doing? 
promoting a pandemic like, like that was happening right now. But in the documentary, it's about a vaccine. The second biggest funder of the WHO, the World Health Organization, outside of the United States of America, is Bill and Melinda Gates, the Gates Foundation, funding the World Health Organization. The biggest proponent of vaccinations right now, as we speak, is Bill Gates. Now, Bill Gates have been all over the world dealing, supporting, creating with his financial stability vaccines all over the world. So in the United States of America, Bill Gates gets on television and says, we should not open the country up unless we have everybody vaccinated. And let me tell you why that's problematic. First and foremost, the vaccinations have not been tested and have not shown, he don't have one yet. It, it still haven't shown the cause and effect of a vaccination. They criticize Trump and people who have adequately used hydroxychloroquine at a hundred percent recovery rate from the doctors that I've heard. And you can Google this for your own, for your own knowledge. They criticize hydroxychloroquine and tell you it's not proven, although it's been approved by the city, by the, uh, uh, I can't, I think you're thinking the acronym of the name, but it's been approved by the FDA. But they're telling you and trying to suggest to you that it makes sense to take a vaccination with even smaller amount of case studies and reliability and that it's not going to harm you. And if you look at who's going to make money from this, Bill Gates. He will make a tremendous amount of money if he can convince the American people, the American government to force vaccinate every single person in the United States of America. Now, let me add this on. And this is why I'm not taking I'm not I'm not, I'm not going to take a vaccination. I'm not telling you what to do. You do what you need to do best for your family. But I'm not taking a vaccination. The reason another reason why is that how effective are vaccinations? Think about this for a minute. 2018, 80,000 Americans died from the flu which the flu has a vaccination. But this is what they don't want to tell you is that the flu virus mutates. And so when they have a concoction or a vaccination of a certain mutation of the flu, when you take the flu shot and if the flu has mutated since the point in you taking the shot, you the, the, the vaccination is not going to help you. The flu shot is not going to help you. It's, it, it becomes null and void. You are going to get sick from a new strand of a mutated virus, period. And even if the virus hadn't mutated, it's still a 50-50 chance that it's going to work for you. I quit taking a flu shot, I don't know, five, six years ago. I think I've been sick three times. I, I don't even know if I even had the flu. They presumptively said I had the flu to um, give me Tamiflu. But I don't really know if it was a flu or not. I never got tested. But when I was getting flu shots, I was getting sick every flu season. And I'm not saying that you should do what I did, but I'm just giving you an example of how I proceeded with not taking that shot. All you need to do, because I don't have a lot of time to explain this. You can look it up on my social media, but you need to follow the money and figure out why people are doing what they're doing. There is no reason for there to be a forced vaccination on the United States of America in order for people to get up and move when you know that viruses mutate and that the vaccination is not going to be sufficient over time. And they know that and you and now you know that. So you have to ask the question why in China right now, as we speak, 
they have a system of monitoring their citizens and they have a thing called social credit score. So they can, they have facial recognition cameras. They follow you everywhere you go, monitor everything you do. And if you were to drop some paper on the ground or litter or do something you're not supposed to do, your social credit score drops to the point where many citizens in, in China are not even able to travel because their social credit score is so low. They use 5G tracking to track their citizens in, in a communist regime. They are attempting, in my personal opinion, you don't have to believe me, they're attempting to do that in the United States of America via COVID-19. Forced vaccinations, and they want to have you labeled to see if you've been vaccinated or not. Now, just like they're doing in China, what are they going to do to you if you haven't been vaccinated and you don't have, I don't know, the chip or, or wristband or something that indicates that you've been vaccinated? What are they going to do? Not going to let you travel? You're not going to be able to go to the supermarket? You're not going to be able to go back to work? You're not going to be able to apply for government assistance? What are they going to do to you if you don't get vaccinated? And it's the same. I see it. I see the writing on the wall. It's the same thing that they do in China where they give you this social credit score. And if you don't do what the government wants you to do, you don't be a good boy. Then they will punish you. I want y'all to look up the the website called Fall Cabal. Now, you don't got to believe none of it. It's called Fall Cabal on YouTube. Look it up. Go look at all the videos that they put on there. And you tell me after watching it and doing your own independent research on both sides, not just one. Don't just look at Falk Cabal and believe everything they say. Look at a myriad of evidence. And after you finish watching it, you tell me what you think. Another one to go look at real quick. I got 20 seconds is to go look at David Icke's interview on London Real. London Real. Look it up. They deleted it from YouTube. Because of what David I said, go look it up. Hear a different perspective. Thank y'all for listening. I'll catch you next Saturday. I know I had to end abruptly, but God bless you. You listen to the Brandon Tatum Show. I'm out. Brandon Tatum, KTAR News, 92.3 FM.